debt, inflation, people losing their homes, losing their livelihoods, losing their liberties, losing the America they grew up in. And what are the headlines? Meghan Markle has to sit in the second row at the Queen's funeral because of her race and all of it based on lies. Well, here we are to clear a path of reality. Dan Newman. You know, I was just thinking about that as I heard Pete Moss talking about Meghan Markle. It seems like all of the stuff that happened surrounding the death of the Queen, all the controversy, it just all of a sudden disappeared. Why is that? Well, I'll tell you why I think it is. There are a whole lot of things happening around the world, and in the UK for that matter, that are a whole lot more important to Americans and other people around the world than the death of the Queen and the aftermath of the royal family. i got to be honest with you. There's so many things that are important that are changing every day in my life. I can only imagine what that does to people that live in various parts of the country that don't have the blessings that we have. And I'm not putting people down or saying we're better than anyone else. Let's face facts. It's tough. It was tough economically, socially, before Joe Biden was elected president. And since he's been elected, oh my gosh. He's done everything he can, it seems like purposefully, to take the American USA plane, Mother USA, into a spiral towards a crash. I can't think of a single thing in our government that is better today than the day that Joe Biden was elected. What a way to start a week, huh? (laughs) Hello, everybody. Welcome to TNN Live. For you first-timers, this is what we do here. We share with each other. We look at things that happen that are important in our country, and we look at them objectively. We find facts, and we'll give you the facts that we hear and dig in and find about. And, of course, we ask you to share with us as well. Drop us an email. Drop me an email anytime asking questions, making suggestions, giving us information. We get a lot of leads from our readers and our listeners here, and those are important. There are so many moving parts in life. It's impossible for any one news outlet to get an exclusive on everything that's important. So we rely on you, the American people. So jot down the address to send us anything, anytime. You ready? Dan at truthnewsnet.org. That's Dan at truthnewsnet.org. And of course, if you want to holler at us live, you can do it anytime during this show, toll free. 1-866-37-TRUTH. That's 1-866-378-7884. Now, if you are new with us, we do look at other important events that happen around the globe outside the U.S., but specifically, in most cases, as they pertain to us. And we dig through. We go through the, the crunch, getting through the mainstream media perspective on big stories and get to the rest of the story for you. And sometimes that isn't easy, but at all times is very important for us. And it's important for you. Talking about our partners across the pond both ways, Pacific Ocean and Atlantic Ocean, the Telegraph, the Telegraph. Telegraph is a longtime British newspaper British outlet for all kind of news. So the Telegraph 
close to Britain's governing conservative, which is the Tory party, like the Republican Party in the U.S., and the country's best-selling broadsheet, which is what they call a like a one-pager, you know, a, a quick news uh, wrap-up or catch you up on the latest stuff. Well, they published an article that was penned by Associate Editor, Editor Camilla Tomini, and in it they suggest that Biden's qualities for the Oval Office are almost non-existent. That's a quote. Biden's qualities for the Oval Office are almost non-existent. Leading by recalling Barack Obama's alleged warning that the Democrat Party should not underestimate Joe's ability to F things up. That's a quote from Barack Obama. The party, Democrat Party, should not underestimate Joe's ability to F things up. Now, Obama said that as Joe was vying to be nominated as a presidential candidate back in 2020. Tomini, the writer of the article, said that Biden's time in office has shown exactly why his former boss may have had some misgivings about giving him the top job. From losing his train of thought mid-sentence to forgetting one of his own congresswomen had died in a car crash, the 79-year-old president has hardly proved to be the answer to America's crisis of confidence. Now keep in mind, this is the picture from our allies, our number one ally overseas, and one of their biggest news outlets. They're just excoriating our president for his inabilities and his incompetence. The writer again, Tomini, seemed a bit unwilling to blame all of his issues on his age. However, suggesting that his actions as president showed he had a rather nasty side, and she cited his denouncement of MAGA Republicans as semi-fascist and a snub to the British Broadcasting Corporation, the BBC, with the words, I'm Irish, right after the 2020 election. These aren't the sentiments of a progressive politician, but the rantings of an intolerant, stuck-in-his-ways old man who can't abide anyone who disagrees with him, Tomini said. Well, despite his right-leading credentials, now this is the UK saying he has right-leaning credentials. He's always been a moderate, or at least he's always claimed, and that is for election purposes alone. Obviously, watching what plays out in his administration, at least in the last two years. He is so far away from right-leaning, it's incredible. But anyway, the Telegraph continued, and they tell us that any thoughts of him being a moderate should not be mistaken for a natural foe of the U.S. Democrats. Indeed, Tomini's chief criticism of Biden's crass, no one Fs with the Biden, that was a remark he made at Fort Myers Beach, Florida recently, is that they were Trumpesque, Trumpesque. In other words, like Donald Trump, something he would say. The telegram is also far from socially conservative, repeatedly pushing an article encouraging husbands to let their wives, um, I don't even want to say it, but it's a sexual act, on them as a Christmas present, for example that even such conservative and name-only outlets are now turning on Joe Biden, whose entry to the White House was hailed. 
by the equally conservative and name-only former prime minister. You remember Boris Johnson in the UK? They gave him the boot. But Boris Johnson was a breath of fresh air compared to what Joe Biden has been for us. Now, I brought you that story from overseas just to let you know. Some of, in fact, most of us here in the UK, United States, we, we look at our administration and no matter where you end up coming down on why, it's just a fact. Our president is having problems. And it starts with, I'm, I believe, cognitive disability. And I think that impacted the way he campaigned and the way he's governing because he started the whole thing as being a moderate. He bragged about it. He was one of the most moderate Democrats there is. He could always reach across the aisle and work with Republicans and do whatever's best for the American people regarding partisanship. Boy, is he living in a world that's a long way away from that. He's anything but moderate now. And you and I are paying the price. Oh, by the way, about that price, we're just getting started. The new bill gets updated every day. When I say bill, what we're looked to to pay for, for Biden and Democrat Party's legislation. And it doesn't have to be legislation with this president. If he doesn't think he can get it through Congress or if he can't get it through Congress, hey, I'll find a way to do it all or most of whatever I want. And if I can't get it through Congress, I'll just do an executive order. You remember all the cries, including from this guy, during Donald Trump's four years as president? Oh, he's an autocrat. He he wants to rule the nation rather than lead the nation as president. Biden said stuff like that. Even the debates, he, he accused Trump of being an autocrat. That's somebody that takes singular control of a government. Isn't that what Joe Biden's been doing? I mean, he's doing things, spending money with no authority from Congress, which is unconstitutional. He's done it again and again and again. And he's ordering people in our government, in his administration, to do things that normally would come through the legislative process. And, of course, there's nobody that will hold him accountable. Boy, the Senate won't hold him accountable because we have a 50-50 tie, but the vice president who is a Democrat, by the way, in case you didn't know that, she always cast a deciding vote in the case of a tie, and then Democrats control the House. With all three branches, you can pretty much ram anything you want down the people's throats, and that's what they're doing. And you know where it's showing its ugly head, I think, the most, but we don't hear about it because of where it is? It's on the seventh floor of the J. Edgar Hoover building in D.C. What operation is that? It's the FBI. Seventh floor is where all of the big shots hang out. Well, guess what? Comes out over the weekend. Whistleblowers again. Hundreds of FBI employees got out of discipline for their sexual misconduct while they were in the FBI. How'd they do it? They all would retire or resign when investigations began against them for their sexual misconduct from way back in 2004 all the way to 2020. Now, this is not an allegation. It is documented 
and proven. Whistleblower documents show that 665 FBI employees, 665, and that number includes 45 senior execs, left their jobs following investigation into their alleged sexual misconduct before they could be disciplined. These two documents, this is Senator Chuck Grassley, who these whistleblowers came to. These two documents show a systemic failure within the Department of Justice and the FBI to protect female employees from sexual harassment and sexual misconduct in the workplace and a failure to sufficiently punish employees for that same misconduct. Now that's in a letter that Senator Grassley sent to Attorney General Merrick Garland and FBI Director Christopher Wray. FBI employees, he said, should not have to suffer under daily abuse and misconduct by their colleagues, especially not their supervisors. Congress has an obligation to perform an objective and independent review of the Justice Department's and FBI's failures and determine the accuracy of the data contained in the document so that the American people know and understand what, if any, changes have been made to solve these significant problems. Let me just stop about this incident, and here's where I want to go with this. We watched, I guess throughout the 18 months of the Biden administration, even before that when Donald Trump was still president, when um, leaders, managers, high up in our intelligence agencies, when they sit in committee hearings and they testify under oath about various things these senators and members of the House want to find out about things going on in the DOJ and the FBI. We have watched, as it seems to me like, all those leaders, they were, I guess, right at the end of the Trump administration when they would go to these hearings They were pretty cooperative, at least they seemed to be, sounded to, acted like when they were asked questions and gave answers. Since then, especially our Attorney General, Merrick Garland, and our FBI Director, Christopher Wray, when they sit in an oversight committee hearing or a Judiciary Committee hearing or some other committee hearing in the House or the Senate and they're asked questions, they are arrogant. And often, especially FBI Director Christopher Wray, he either refuses to respond directly to the question asked and he ignores it in his answer, or he's got this pat thing down. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna weigh in on an ongoing investigation. Sometimes even if it's not an ongoing investigation. So here's where I'm going with this. Let's talk about your kids. Your kids, as they grow up, when they're very, very young, you want to teach them responsibility. You want to teach them how to live life and make choices and make decisions. And you and I both know that starts very early, and it starts typically about things like food and mom and dad telling the kid to do something, and they refuse to do it, and they get in trouble for refusing to do it, those kind of things. But as they grow older, the things that they're confronted with in their lives is they begin to go to school, they begin to make friends, they get involved in extracurricular things at school and outside of school, and they meet people and they interact with friends and other people that they know but they aren't aren't friends, kind of like just uh, living life. Many of them, if they did not get a, a real structured beginning, 
at home where they would they were taught how to make decisions and how to make choices. More importantly, they were taught that any choice they make, any decision they make, they always come with accountability for the choices they make. We have at least two generations of Americans that have missed that in large part. How else could you describe what we're watching now where we have people at the highest level of law enforcement and the Justice Department that are actually complicit in cries to defund the police, do away with bail, even for people that are convicted of major felony crimes and also letting thousands of convicted felons out of prison, just give them a walk, including people that committed murder. I'm serious. That's happening right now across the nation. And we just think there's nobody, there's no way anybody in a position like that would agree to let those things happen, yet alone initiate them. But it's happening every day. The Democrat candidate for Senate, U.S. Senate in Pennsylvania, yesterday, when he was talking about his policies, if he's elected, he's lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania now, and he looks like Lurch. He's about six feet, eight inches tall. He's bald and has a goatee. That is the picture of a white supremacist that Democrats used to paint (laughs) of conservatives. Their guy is running there against Dr. Oz, and yesterday he made it very clear. When we're in the midst of this rampant, escalating crime problem across the nation, he's still calling for no bail and for letting out. He actually named the number in Pennsylvania that he wants to let out of prison, and several of them, multiples of them, are convicted murderers. We're in in a uh, generation where that is normalized. And so how does that work out? Well, you got kids in school. They know how the grade thing works. You know how it works. We all went through it when we were growing up. A, B, C, D, F. How do you make a C? You either get average on everything, every report, every test that you make, you get a C average. That's how you end up getting at the end of whatever grading period it is. You get a C, or there's another way to do it. You can get some A's, and you can get some F's, and it averages out as a C. You can make some B's and make some D's, and it averages out as a C. That whole concept is really critical, not so much that it's the grading concept, but the lessons it teaches our entire society. It's okay to screw up. You don't have to be doing 100% of what you should be doing in every circumstance you face. You can always make it up. If you make an F, you can make an A. Mom and dad won't be so angry with you because your average is a C. What that philosophy does, it normalizes failure and makes failure okay. Now, in an overall society, as that thought process permeates generations of Americans, it dumbs down the way we look at what's right and what's wrong in our nation. 
when you have any portion, but especially as big a portion as we have today, of people in the United States that normalize failure and not trying as hard as others around you, you're going to be able to make it up. Or even if you don't make it up, they're going to begin to accept lower grades as being okay. Here's how it works. A C is an average. Who determines what constitutes all the things that it takes to make a C? It's those that are in charge of holding people responsible. If you're in school, it's your teachers, your professors. If you're just a normal American living life in your town, your city, it could be your city council and your mayors, your state representatives and governor, the members of the United States House and the United States Senate, and then the president and that administration. They're the ones that determine what is acceptable. We were taught in the 60s and the 70s that doing acceptable work is not acceptable in itself. You've got to try to overachieve. Sometimes you'll be successful doing that. Sometimes you won't. But the important thing is you give it your best shot every single time. That keeps the average that's acceptable overall high. That's what we used to want. That's what we formally accepted and nothing less than that. So as generation after generation comes along and it downgrades the requirements What does that do? It moves the average lower. And what was totally unacceptable in 1985 and 90 and 95 and 2000 and even 2015, what was not acceptable from people then, from top to bottom of our society, now it's okay. So average is no longer the same thing as it was when I was a kid in the 60s and a teenager in the 70s. We've moved it down. And so people get away with working not harder, but working softer, not pushing to do better. It's okay to do average. Just go show them that you're interested. That's all you have to do. Just show up. That would have never flown. It never flew back then. But that's what's happening in our society right now. And people are trying to get away with everything in ways that we never saw previously in our lives. There's something that came out over the weekend about elections. And this just, it just toasted me. Do you know that 51 online websites have shown up since 2021, and they sound credible. They have names like Milwaukee Metro Times, the Mecklenburg Herald, and the Tri-City Record. Now, those obviously are news outlets. But guess what Axios figured out and reported on? Axios, not a conservative news outlet. Here's a verbiage I mean, this is literally what their story says. Quote, the sites, these sites, are focused on key swing states with elections in 2021 
and 2022. Arizona, Colorado, Georgia, Michigan, New Hampshire, Nevada, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Virginia, and Wisconsin. These sites all focused on election stuff going on in those states. The story adds that the sites feature stories about local happenings, but they've got some news promoting Democrat midterm candidates while they're targeting Republicans. Now guess what Axios found out? Those sites, each of them, and many, many others, by the way, are reportedly all managed by one company called Local Report Incorporated, and every one of them appear to be connected to the American Independent, which was launched by Democrat operative and fundraiser David Brock, also known for founding the left-leaning media watchdog Media Matters for America. The outlet noted that several of the writers at these quote-unquote news outlets, which they're not, they don't exist, several of them have reportedly contributed to the sites. TAI's president, that's the American Independent, Matt Furmeyer, formerly worked as a senior aide with the Democrat Congressional Campaign Committee and with the late Harry Reid, who was Senate Majority Leader from 07 to 2015. In addition, Jessica McCrate is the vice president and executive editor of the TAI. She worked in communications in the White House during Obama's presidency. Now, I'm getting this report from the Daily Caller, not even a U.S. news outlet. (laughs) We're getting truth from overseas. According to McCrate, the relationship between TAI and local report is a, quote, co-publishing agreement. In July of 2020, CourierNewsroom.com, a news outlet created and funded by Acronym, a Democrat-aligned nonprofit, spent millions to flood Facebook with ads before the 2020 election, but reportedly didn't share information about its political donors. CourierNewsroom.com shelled out over a million bucks on social media ads to promote House Democrats. There was a report in March of 2020 that Acronym owns the technology firm Shadow Inc., which was responsible for developing the infamous app used in the chaotic Iowa caucuses. Here's a couple of paragraphs from the story. Acronym is funded by the liberal dark money group New Venture Fund, which is part of a larger group called Arabella Advisors, which provides philanthropic guidance and manages four nonprofits. That's according to the nonpartisan ethics watchdog group, Americans for Public Trust. Those also include the 1630 Fund, Windward Fund, and Hopewell Fund. The story said the financial web, however, goes far beyond these connections. The political group American Bridge, which was founded by David Brock, a close ally of the Clintons and founder of Media Matters, is also involved in the overarching efforts to spread misinformation on President Trump's response to coronavirus and further politicized the crisis. Now, here's the reason I brought that to you. In addition to just letting you know this is going on, do you notice the spread of the people and the entities that were involved in this? This is 
total Democrat secretly lying to the American people, grossly misrepresenting, and these news outlets supposedly are local news online outlets at these towns and cities around the country. So, somebody's looking for information in your city, your town, you do a Google search, bam, it comes up. And it has news and information, a few things about your local area. So you begin to read it. And it's got all kind of quote-unquote news, but it's really not news. All it is is a narrative that is being promoted very surreptitiously to make you think what they're saying is factual when it's not. That is a big problem, a really big problem. And I don't know that we as Americans, the majority of Americans, have the ability to overcome that. I don't know how we would do it otherwise, other than, you know, tell the truth and do what we're doing out there today. And you'll probably mention what I just told you about to somebody. If you're looking for a way, if you want to talk to somebody you think that is maybe susceptible to know the truth and they may lean to the right, excuse me, lean to the left or be far left, just refer them to Axios, A-X-I-O-S, and tell them to look for that story. Axios, again, is not a conservative outlet. Every once in a while, they give us some objective news. What's ahead for the rest of the show today? My gosh, we've got all kinds of news and things that you need to know about to get you caught up before you get into your week. First thing we do when we come back, we're going to let you hear from somebody that knows about politics and knows about the Biden administration and is pretty objective in analysis. And you're going to hear about the panic that is going on at the White House. That's up next. Holidays abroad. Can we? Can't we? But then we thought, should we? Staycation. We could share a year. Please, no. Luckily, we've picked British Airways holidays. Small deposit and can change if we need to. Decision made. Moonlight skinny dipping. (laughs) We've booked St. Lucia. Two weeks. Did you? Why didn't we? Ah, clever you. British Airways holidays. At all protected. I'm Chad Hall, and I'm here with the first ever Silverado ZR2. This is probably the first time you've seen this truck, but I've been racing a prototype version for over a year. We just inspired this pre production truck you see behind me. Let's go see what it'll do. Copy. It's got phenomenal power, acceleration, good ground clearance, skid protection, and you've got the Multimatic PSSV shocks, so it's just gonna be that much more of a fun truck. Copy. It's an amazing truck. You're going to want to get your hands on one. Here's the latest traffic report. Looks like miles of trouble-free driving with Napa Auto Parts. Your local Napa Auto Parts dealer in Modesto has a full line of quality parts for your car or truck. Napa Auto Parts keeps America running, and Modesto Auto and Truck is ready to keep your vehicle running in tip-top shape for years to come. So if you think your car or truck needs help under the hood, think of Napa Auto Parts at Modesto Auto and Truck Parts, 924 G Street in downtown Modesto. 
529-8342. In a world of weapons-grade stupidity, your defense is the truth. TNN, the Truth News Network. You know, I thought it was amazing, a miracle, when we, all of a sudden, we began to have social media where anybody and everybody could share online anonymously if they wanted to or name yourself or give yourself a name. But anyway, share your opinions left and right. And around the world, billions of people, that's their source for information, and they are wrapped up in it. It's been hours every day. Let me tell you what happened last night. We had a big family reunion last night. Uh, We have a fairly large family, but we have some family members, just a a few. Most of our families live right here in northwest Louisiana. But we have one family that is in Savannah, Georgia. They came into town. It was a wonderful time. We all get together. We're a very close family. The kids all grew up together here in north Louisiana. And as we, the adults, were catching up and talking and laughing and cutting up and eating and having a great time, I looked over on the couch. It's an open area where we had this at one of our daughter's places. And on the far side of it, there's a big couch and a sofa with a television. Younger cousins were sitting over there. When I say younger, in their teens. And all of them weren't saying a word. They had their phones out. They were social media getting after it at the time. And that's normalized. That's the way it goes. And so that's the precursor, my saying that, to what was announced this morning. Guess what? Facebook announced that it's going to share some details about their users whose accounts may have been compromised due to some security issues on various apps that they download from iOS and Android. According to a report, Facebook said it has identified uh, 400 malicious Android and iOS apps that have targeted users to steal login information. Facebook's, you're going to get your email. Facebook is going to notify close to a million users about their account status and how they've been compromised. Now think about what that means. Actually, folks, what it means is nobody's safe. Absolutely nobody's safe. For every smart person out there that can come up with some kind of protective piece of software to load into an app, a social media outlet, or wherever, there's two criminals out there that know how to bypass what that smart person security was going to put out there to stop them from doing what they do. Anything online can be hackable. (laughs) And uh, I got to be honest with you, at Truth News Network and TNN Live, we spend a lot of money in security software. We've got what at the time was and is, quote unquote, the best to protect all our stuff. To our knowledge, we've not been hacked. Thank God for that. And we hope it never happens. But honestly, If you're online, if you're doing things online, you're probably going to have a problem at some point. I remember about 10 years ago, before we even knew what Bitcoin was, we got hacked in our company and our network, our network that is connected to dozens of hospitals around the nation. We got hacked 
and we had it locked down our network and we had to go buy Bitcoin to get out of being locked up because of ransomware. We were caught up in the Russia thing when the Russia, in fact, those people were discovered and they were prosecuted and put in jail. I don't remember the number, but we had to pay thousands of dollars to get get uh, unlocked and we didn't have any choice. Thankfully, it did not get through our network into our hospital clients. That would have really, really been a nightmare. Now, I told you we had a story where he had a, a person that uh, is plugged in, very knowledgeable about things going on in the White House and our government, and that would be Brian Kilmeade. I got to be honest with you. He's one of my favorite people at Fox News. He uh, He's a New Yorker. And he grew up basically not a conservative. Now, I've not spoken with him. And what I'm saying now is what I've surmised from watching him through the years when he does things other than the morning show, Fox and Friends. He has a podcast. He works his butt off. He works all the time. I know he's well paid, but I don't think he has to work as hard as he's working. But he loves it. He's an information guy. And he analyzed the panic that's going on at the White House and justifiably going on in the Biden administration. It's somewhat of a panic time at the White House. OPEC Plus shocks the free world with a sudden production cut that will certainly mean using more of your hard-earned cash to keep the heat on at home and higher gas prices for your vehicle. Not good on both counts. You would think it would be time for the president to go back to Trump-level production when it comes to oil and gas, pulling a historic 10 million barrels a day of oil per day open up federal lands perhaps, cut away the bureaucracy, and drill and flack our way, frack our way back to energy independence. But he's not. So what's the real agenda? Make no mistake, the president is helping Democrats' interests, not American interests. We absolutely do agree uh, that we need to be less dependent uh, on OPEC plus and foreign producers uh, of, uh, of resources like oil. The president is working so hard on clean energy solutions because that's really the future. This is really bad news for American consumers. But the truth of the matter is that dependency on foreign countries for American oil and gas is a choice. And it's a choice that this administration has made repeatedly. Not to drill offshore or onshore, not to give new leases, and that choice to go green. Green's not ready. The administration's making that choice. Biden's choice is to run to two enemy nations in the short term for natural fossil fuels. You got to deal with Iran, for example, if they choose that choice. Their million barrels of oil a day on the world market would bring global prices down. The ruthless country would rather kill every one of their citizens than give them all human rights. Most recently, law enforcement killing more than 100 people protesting the vicious beating and death of a woman who was killed because she didn't wear the right hijab or didn't put it on correctly. Not to mention their overall long history of terrorism. Okay, they could also pivot over to Venezuela, a nation proven to be the best at creating refugees and repression. A country where security forces are accused of torturing their people with electric shots on their eyelids, suffocating them with chemicals. Are those the people you want to get in bed with? Both countries brought together by one common cause up until today, they hate America. Dictatorships dangerously go against the grain in every way, shape or form of what President Biden promised when he took the Oval Office. I've been clear, the human rights must be the center of our foreign policy, not the periphery. Really? Human rights? 
There were no human rights in those countries. This, ladies and gentlemen, is panic. High oil and gas prices will make it impossible for the Democrats to have any hope of stopping a red wave tsunami November 8th. They are desperate to bring the prices down. Seriously, I see circumstances at the White House. Ron Klain, Biden's chief of staff, he's the guy that is the uh, rodeo ringmaster making everybody do their stuff, making sure they're in place, getting everything done. And he's the guy that's supposed to pull it all together and hand it to the president. And it's just easy for this president and any other president to sit in the Oval Office, has a stack of stuff and says, okay, let's do this, let's do this. Let's talk further about this. You know, very structured and organized. I would love to be a fly on the wall and watch that process play out in this White House and this administration. You know what it looks like to me every time I see anybody in the administration defending something new, some new tragedy, some devastating thing, something that makes them look like, ah, oh, the king is naked. <laughs> you know, that, that old children's story about the, uh, the emperor the king was so vain he had his own private tailor and he would get a whole new suit of clothes he and his wife and they would parade down the streets and people would just see it and ooh and all and the and the king the emperor told the tailor one time you got to you got to make something that nobody on earth could have it's exclusive to us it's so fine and so the tailor said we'll do it and he started thinking about it and he said this guy's so into himself I'll fake like I'm making something and there's really nothing there and tell him only the most intelligent people are even able to see this outfit that I'm making for you and your wife. And so the emperor and the king go there and this guy brings out the quote-unquote clothes for the king and the queen and his people start helping the king and the queen undress and put this new stuff on that only intellectual people can see the most intellectual and the emperor and his wife they they don't dare say man there's nothing here so they actually take it and leave and they're going to get into the parade downtown and they do and they're going through the streets and everybody's screaming and hollering and applause and support oh how wonderful look at the clothes that they have on because nobody wanted to be called out to be stupid or not smart enough to see the clothes. And one little boy says, oh my gosh, the king and queen are naked. (laughs) And, And it just kind of broke the ice and all of a sudden reality set in. I'm waiting, I'm waiting for Joe Biden and Dr. Biden. I don't want him to go down the naked thing in the parade. But every time he opens his mouth, he sticks his foot in it and everything he says People in his administration almost immediately come out and recant what he said. That, my friends, is not leadership. That is not keeping this country that has been top of the heap for generations. It's not the way you keep that in place. In fact, what's happening now, we're slipping and sliding into an area that this nation hasn't been in in a long, long time. And that, that's being down at the bottom of the heap, or at least not in the top of the heap when it comes to pointing to the best countries on earth, the most effective countries on earth. We've always led that. We're not now. 
People around the world, they don't look at us as that now. In fact, people in Europe especially, they look at us and laugh. We played story after story from news agencies around the world. You're hearing what people overseas are talking about regarding our leadership. Now, we deal with the one biggie. There, I think what are the biggies here? The economy, inflation, number one. Number two, crime. And number three, immigration, which we don't have. We don't have any kind of enforced policy or law on immigration. Joe Biden just erased them all on his own. I mean, after all, he's the president. He's got the pen. If Democrats and Republicans can't get things together in Congress to make some new immigration laws, the ones that he wants to do, and give tens of millions of illegals instant citizenship and the right to vote, he'll just start doing all those things himself. What he doesn't understand, well, just one thing he doesn't understand, immigration policies do not exist in a vacuum. Mass migration has quickly spiked to the north of us, and it spiked Canadians' housing prices and rapidly reduced the share of Canadians who can even own homes. Now, this is coming from the New York Times, you know, that bastion of integrity and honesty. Basically, southern Ontario, which is the uh, the region of Ontario that's just above the border over Michigan and up there, it's, it, it's where Toronto is. Basically, the southern part of Ontario, the one that's on our border, it's now unaffordable in the middle of a massive inflow of illegals from the U.S. Now, this is a real estate agent up there that's talking about it, a guy named Brian Adlam. I have two clients, he said. I have right now whose budget is five hundred dollars to $600,000, which isn't chump change, he said. Are they going to be renters for life? Probably. Has owning a home become unattainable for someone on the lower income echelon? Yes. That impact of illegals in Canada was also admitted in a 2021 report by the government-run Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation. House prices surge in Toronto and Vancouver between 2015 and 2019, partly owing to much higher international migration and were the catalyst for significant changes in domestic migration patterns within their respective provinces. The rising house prices up there, thanks to our lack of immigration policies, also helped push young Canadians out of the major cities. Since 2015, a report says, a greater share of people from nearly every age moved out of Toronto and Vancouver to live in other regions of their respective provinces. For people 25 to 44 years old, surging house prices in Toronto and Vancouver led to a greater incidence of drive until you qualify. They're actually using that, which means live outside of town, live away any place you can afford it and just keep driving into work until you qualify and can get a, a loan, a mortgage on a home. Home ownership had become too expensive in Toronto and Vancouver for many potential first-time buyers in this age group. Nothing, my friends, nothing lives in a vacuum. Everything you do, say, hear, think about. There's other people at the same time involved in it, 
And it's always, when it's bad stuff, it seems to always be worse than it you thought it was. What else is big going on? Oh my gosh, what about gas prices? Have you filled up over the weekend? It's up 20 cents a gallon since Friday. Now, early this morning when I was scanning the overseas news, oil prices in in Europe did drop a bit, $97 and change for Brent crude, which is down a little bit, and that is not based upon good information. That's based upon uh, buying of oil worldwide has slowed down a bit. That's not a good thing either. So Joe's got some real big problems there. Jesse Waters over the weekend weighed on, weighed in on uh, some of Joe's problems with energy, gas prices, etc. Gas prices are starting to rise again, and the Biden propaganda machine is getting back to their old ways to deflect the blame. Drivers are feeling the pain at the pump, and experts warn it's going to get a whole lot worse. Joe Biden loved taking credit when the prices were falling, but now the White House is passing the buck and blaming Vladimir Putin. You've said the president was responsible for gas prices coming down. Is the president responsible for gas prices going up? So it's a lot more nuance than that, right? There have been global challenges that we have all have dealt with. There's been pandemic and there's been uh, Putin's war. And Putin's war uh, has uh, increased gas prices at the pump. And now President Biden is looking like a total fool. Remember three months ago, he was sucking up to the Saudis and fist bumping his way through the Middle East, begging them for more oil. Well, the OPEC oil cartel decided this morning to cut production by two million barrels a day. So now Biden is going to release more oil from our depleted strategic reserves. All right. So, Jesse, that just came out this afternoon that the president is going to release some oil from our reserves uh, after he released, I guess it was 180 million barrels not that long ago. How much is going to be left in our strategic It's going to be reserve? bone dry. He's a reckless economic illiterate, and he's going to cause a lot of pain to the American people because we're going to need those reserves full at some point. And before then, we're going to have to buy back and restock at about $100 a barrel. And what do you think that's going to do to the world price of oil? He doesn't understand it's set by the world. He thinks, Fred, that owns the gas station at the corner sets the price of oil. If you're not going to unleash American energy, you have to butter up the Saudis. And so far, he's cozied up to their biggest enemy, the Iranians. He doesn't even send them any arms packages like most presidents do. He called them. He called the crown prince a killer and tried to ostracize oh, yeah. him. And he's always talking about the he Green New Deal, the Green New Deal. You need a little more finesse when everybody's getting slammed at the pump. He's already dealing with crime. He's already dealing with immigration. He's already dealing with inflation. And now you're seeing the rise in gas prices. This is going to guarantee a Republican side. All right, Greg, we paid $2 for gas when Trump was president. Mm. We paid as much as $6 now in California. I don't care what your definition of anything is at this point. <laughs> All I know is it's more now. Why is that? Well, I'm no economist, Judge, but I will say this probably wouldn't have happened under Trump. And I know that sounds extremely stereotypical, but the fact is, he, the, this is a terrible deal. I mean, Joe went there with this, you know, on his knees 
and they just screwed him. And I just don't see that happening with actually I would broaden and say I don't see it happening with Trump or, or anybody else. It just so happened that it happened with Biden. Mm. So that's kind of strange. I don't think anybody cares about it being labeled Putin's price hike. I don't think when no. you're at the pump. You're going, damn that, Vlad. <laughs> no, they realize that there has been um, an ideology afoot. Regardless of the reality now, there was an ideology that stated that this would be good for us if we got off oil. So that's why you, you're okay to be suspicious about whether or not this administration is actually trying that hard to solve this problem, when in fact they see the problem as a solution. And before anybody, talk, when they talk about gas prices going up, it's still not as expensive as an electric car. It's still not even as expensive as the electricity for the electric car. And I give, uh, I got to say, Double O Pete was very good. That's what I call him now. Our own Pete. Peter Ducey. Yeah, Double O Pete. You got to notice with JP that whenever she begins a sentence with so. So, yeah. That means everything to the right of so is not true. Because yes. like it's like so is basically what it does is it redefines the answer into a different kind of, I don't know, word salad. So she went so and then she goes like this. That's her tell. <laughs> That's yeah. her tell. Yeah. But, you know, look, Dana, you were you were in that position that Corinne Jean-Pierre is in right now. I mean, when double O says, you know, Biden takes credit for prices going down. Why not going up? And so she says, so it's more <laughs> nuanced than that. I mean, how come she doesn't answer the question? Only 5% well, of Americans. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the yeah. facts are a bad answer, right? So uh, it's like even with the stock market. If a president goes around saying, look at me, <laughs> my good, look at this stock market. And then when it's down, they're like, wow, I, I have nothing to do with that. And that's just not uh, believable for the American people. And that feels really just like politics and it's bad. The other thing that this administration doesn't admit is that they, because of their work with the Iranians and the release of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, both of those things have pushed the Saudis closer to Russia and China. And so that, that policy is playing out while they're also refusing to, uh, when Trump was in office, he had this deal. He said, we could refill the Strategic Petroleum Reserve at $24 a barrel. We should take that deal. Are you with me? And Chuck Schumer was like, heck no, we're not. Yes. We are not for that. We are not going to do yeah. anything. So so now we're looking at $100 a barrel. Yep. It's supposed to be our emergency reserves. Mm -hmm. And they're re they're releasing it today and saying, here's how we're going to help you to get through the midterms. Yeah. We're going to release 10 billion more barrels. It's not working and the American people will have to it's pay for it. I don't think no point. All right. If you don't understand the uh, strategic reserves of the U.S., that's a, a, tens of millions of barrels of oil that our federal government buys and keeps them underground in various locations around the nation. And that's supposed to be used exclusively when different parts of the nation go through natural disasters, kind of like the Florida stuff, so that short term, the government can step in and make sure that energy resources are available as needed in these areas. Wildfire, uh, wildfires in California, flooding, hurricanes, tornadoes in the Midwest, all those kinds of things are for that. I don't know if you remember, but back when Joe was vice president, he and his boss, they did exactly what Biden is doing now. They drained the strategic oil reserves. And if you do that, just put it in the context of the big picture of what's going on. People in the U.S., when there's a disaster, especially one as wide as is the result of a hurricane or a tornado, it's really devastating. And people are looking for some help to leg up.
Well, if the government can shoot down, you know, 100 million barrels of oil to your region so that you can get gas and the price doesn't jump up or whatever for a while, that makes you look like a hero. So during Barack Obama's eight years, every once in a while, it was a pretty big deal that he needed to make the American people feel like he was connected to them. So they just took it out, sold it in the name of we're going to help people, but they never replaced it. So keep in mind what you heard Dana Perino say there about the price of oil now, $100 a barrel. Donald Trump becomes president. His energy secretary says, look, we need to replenish the strategic oil reserves that Obama and Biden drained away. We don't have any real evidence that there's enough for any kind of natural disaster that we might face. So what did Trump do? He went to Congress, he cut a deal with them, and he refilled them at $32 a barrel. That's management. I don't care who it is, Donald Trump or if Joe Biden did it. Doesn't matter. That's managing. This president, I don't care who you are or what you think, the facts are, he's never run a business. He's never had to make a payroll. He has no clue what the inner workings are of any kind of quote-unquote business entity. Say what you want to about Donald Trump, his messaging, his hair, the things that he says, the way that he talks. Say anything you want. But what is unquestionable because it's factual is the guy knew what he was talking about when it came to business issues for the American people. It kind of reminds me of the stories that I heard about what happened to United States domestically during World War II. I mean, we had war out west in the Pacific. We had war in Europe. We were spending billions on military stuff. The president then, great, great leadership, management of the issues. We don't have that now. The truth. Straight. No chaser. TNN. The Truth News Network. I love going all natural. It just makes me feel better. Nothing between me and my 100% all-natural, juicy, grass-fed beef. Introducing the all-natural burger, the first ever in fast food. With no antibiotics, no added hormones, and no steroids. Only at Carl's Jr. What are you doing? Should we pick him up? He has Bud Light. He has an axe. But he has Bud Light. And an axe. I'm sure there's a reason for it. Hey, buddy. What's with the axe? It's a... Bottle opener. Hop in. Refreshingly smooth Bud Light. Always worth it. Look, here's Bud Light. And a chainsaw. I like that song. 
You don't hear that very often. It's a Chicago song. Chicago, you know, they have all the great songs from the 70s. But that one is called Forever, and it wasn't one of their big hits. It's on an album. Every once in a while, I'll pull it out and listen to it just because I like to reminisce. You know, back when I had uh, hair, <laughs> and I, I I did have a full beard, but it was it was all brown instead of speckled with some brown but mostly gray. Maybe it's reminisce, but I'm I'm a musician and I like smooth jazz. That's my number one kind of music that I like. And some of Chicago's stuff is in that vein. And so you just got me telling you about that for free. <laughs> you learn a little bit about the host pretty much every day if you listen in. We were talking about managing problems and issues. Trump was in Nevada over the weekend, did one of his big rallies. And he jumped on something that we've been talking about here for a while at TNN Live, pointing out. But it looks to me like our Department of Justice with the FBI, they're all in to go after conservatives. I just got a text from James Posey who said, I've never seen you with hair. (laughs) Believe it or not, I had hair at one time. Pictures are around that prove it. Anyway, back to business. Um, Trump was out there. And he pointed to something that is ramping up. And I believe it's really becoming a problem. The weaponization of the Department of Justice by this president and his administration. Have you noticed that the last week or so, we have watched as the FBI has made some of their famous raids. You know, where in the early morning hours, they make a big deal about it. They call local media. They have helicopters and they'll send 20 agents in to arrest somebody that is just really egregiously committing acts that are illegal. In September, the FBI raided the home of pro-life activist Mark Houck as his screaming children watched in horror over charges related to the FACE Act, stemming from an incident in which House shoved a 72-year-old abortion activist at a clinic at which they were legally demonstrating, and this activist was escorting women into a Planned Parenthood clinic. Houck's family maintains the man had been harassing his 12-year-old son, and he just pushed the guy away from his son. They sent 20 20, 20 FBI agents to arrest this guy. And just last week, the DOJ charged 11 pro-life advocates in Tennessee with federal charges related to a 2021 protest at that Tennessee abortion clinic. A majority of the defendants could receive up to 11 years in prison. These people went out and beautifully, silently protested, and they're in jail now, Trump said, of these activists at that Nevada rally. They were protesting outside of abortion clinics and the government is charging them with crimes punishable with 11 years in prison. In many cases, they're grandparents and elderly people. Trump then called on every freedom-loving American to oppose this tyranny in the coming midterm elections. One more thing Trump talked about um, while he was out there He obviously had to get into the discussions of what's going on in the Biden family syndicate. 
He said this, now they're leaking that they may actually be charging Hunter Biden with very minor charges relative to the crimes that he apparently committed. And look, we don't want bad stuff to happen, but they're leaking that a couple of minor charges relatively compared to the kind of charges that they could be, and that's up to them. But are they actually going to do the right thing and hold the Bidens accountable, or is this just a charade and an excuse to continue targeting me, that's Trump talking, and our movement of Make America Great Again and America First. He then accused feds of prosecutorial misconduct for the handling of Hunter Biden's criminal case. He suggested prosecutors could bring those minor charges against Hunter to make things seem more fair while they target him and his supporters. I told you here last week, in my opinion, them rolling out the fact those FBI agents had said, hey, we have sufficient evidence, it seems, to charge Hunter Biden. They're not even going to talk about, yet alone investigate and take action against all of the obvious, massive illegal actions that Hunter Biden took, representing his daddy and selling to the Chinese and the Russians access to his daddy who was then vice president. They're not going to touch that. I predict it, and it's just a sense that I have from watching and listening. I predicted that they're going to hit Hunter with a few little things that may be big things to you and I on his tax problems and on the fact that he was over there working with and doing things in foreign nations and giving access to his dad, which you're supposed to register if you're going to do those things, you can legally, but you register with the State Department as being a representative for this foreign country or that foreign country that you're acting with. Not registering is a felony. So you've got tax problems and you have, uh, I didn't register as a foreign agent. And then another thing, he was an avowed drug user, illegal drug user, and he wanted to buy a gun, so when he put his application in with the FBI, when they check your background, you answer questions on the questionnaire. He said he didn't have a drug problem, and his lying on that is a felony. They're going to get him for these things. Slap on the hand, and they're going to use that later, probably not much later, as quickly as possible, to justify going after Trump. Oh, look what we did. We prosecuted the president of the United States, son. How could we even think about Donald Trump not being in that particular category for lawbreakers that we've got to arrest, indict and arrest? I think that's what's coming down the pike there. I really do. When will they do it? I got to be honest with you. They have been working diligently since... um, since Donald Trump was inaugurated <laughs> to make to run him out of town and make sure he never comes back. They don't even try to hide that's their purpose. In all of the Senate hearings that you hear, especially, people come in and it is just so stinking obvious everybody in this administration is petrified of Donald Trump and the even remote possibility that he could run for office again And I'm going to whisper, and win the presidency in 2024. 
oh my gosh, that would be the end of the world. That would be the Armageddon for Democrats. Just because Donald Trump would once again do what he started when he was elected to change things in Washington, and he did in so many ways. If he gets elected again, he's going to go back and finish the job. They can't bear to think of that as a possibility. Well, we've got business between now and 2024, don't we? We've got midterms coming up 29 days from today. Can you believe it? We are right there, folks. And so what is happening? You've heard the term October surprise. That is something that it just mysteriously happens pretty much every time there's a midterm election and sometime when the big election, you know, every four years when we elect a president and vice president. That all happens in November. It always seems like whoever is in charge, the party in charge, especially when it looks like they may get beat in the midterms and in the general election and the presidential year, something that is negative about the big candidates, it just pops up. It's called an October surprise. In this election, the Senate is the big institution of the government that's in play, and there is a huge battle on billions of dollars, and with a B, Billions of dollars are being spent around the nation on U.S. Senate races. And probably the two biggest in the nation, there are three, Arizona, Pennsylvania, and Georgia. But the two biggest are Pennsylvania and Georgia. The one in Georgia, that's the big pastor of the largest Baptist church in the nation in Atlanta. He was elected to finish a term. He's been as a U.S. Senator for two years, he's running again, and he's running against former running back, Georgia, University of Georgia star, NFL star, Herschel Walker. Herschel Walker is a very entrenched African-American man. He grew up, he had nothing, his family had nothing. He made his way into the college football scene. He dominated, he won a Heisman Trophy, drafted first round. He had a stellar NFL career and he's running for Senate because he sees what's happening in Georgia and he feels like a majority of Georgians don't like what's happening. And so he was behind through all of the early polling in his campaign. He wasn't doing a bunch of public appearances. Nobody could figure out what was up. He's very smart and he thinks through things And he talks a little bit different. He's a Southern African-American man. And a lot of people around the nation don't get that. And so instead of realizing it's a Southern thing, guess what they do? They take the racist angle. And then they look at Herschel Walker as just a football player. And the only thing he brought to the table was his running abilities as a running back. And they reject the fact that he would have any remote capability to be a U.S. senator. But all of a sudden, the polls begin to change, and their inside information begin to tell them, we may have a problem. Warnock, Raphael Warnock, that African-American pastor I told you about, he's losing votes to Herschel Walker. So guess what happens? We get an October surprise last week. 
A woman popped up. She claimed that Herschel Walker paid for an abortion for her back in 2009. And last week we went through all of it. It was on every, every leftist talk show over and over again, big panels. Oh, how could we, how could Republicans even think about letting this guy run when he paid for an abortion for his girlfriend? Copy of a check shows up. Copy of a receipt shows up. And the check was supposedly signed by Herschel Walker where he was paying her. Herschel took the approach. What was the name of the movie? Uh, Clear and Present Danger. You remember that? Clear and Present Danger. And the great actor, and I can't even think of his name right now, the, the whole substance of the thing, the president then of the United States, a close friend of his, he had a big yacht and the yacht was stormed in the Caribbean and everybody was killed and it was out there, came out there trying to find the reason for that massive killing happening and it was very visible across the United States and the world because it was a close tie to then that president. They were close friends. Evidence begins to come out that the close friend of the president was, besides being very wealthy, was a gun runner and also trafficking drugs. And so they're sitting in the Oval, Harrison Ford is the actor, they're sitting in the Oval Office and they're trying to come up when the news came out that this guy apparently was doing some illegal actions. How would that impact this president in an election that's coming up? And so in the Oval Office, all the experts are telling him, oh, don't deny this, say this, deny this. And when it gets to Harrison Ford, Harrison said, they asked him what he thought. He said, no, I don't think you ought to do that. I think what you should do is double down on it. Instead of when they ask you, is he a friend of yours, this guy that got killed, allegedly a drug runner? Harrison Ford said, when they ask you, don't deny it. Say, not only was he a friend, he was a close friend. And not only did we do some things together, we did many things together. Not only did I talk to him about particular issues, I went to him a lot to get his opinion. In other words, you take away the ammunition, the negative ammunition that somebody has against you, and it makes people think, listen, about Herschel Walker. He's an avowed Christian. He said over and over again through his campaign, I've made mistakes in my life. I accepted Jesus as my Lord. I got forgiveness. My life changed years ago, and I'm on the right path and have been for a long time. Of course, he denies that he paid that woman for an abortion. An October surprise, and guess what's happening? It's turning against the left. It's turning against the left. It turns out, as a matter of fact, over this past weekend, the woman, the one that came forward claiming he was an evil guy because he paid for her abortion, and she is all up in loud things against him in every possible way, diminishing him in every way. Well, it turns out she supported his campaign as recently as May. One news agency got screenshots of messages between this accuser and the Herschel Walker's wife, Julie. (laughs) 
Late Friday, the messages came out. They suggest the woman who would later go to the left-wing Daily Beast with claims against Herschel, she had entirely different sentiments about what he's doing now when his campaign kicked off after the May Republican primary on May 24th. That was the day Herschel was expected to handily win the primary. The woman texted Julie, Herschel's wife, and said, Good light, good luck tonight, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Don't think you guys will need it, though. Wow. And and there's a, a text string. Let me read you the text string. That was the first thing she said. Good luck tonight. Don't think you guys will need it. It's northwest of Atlanta. I think I haven't been yet. Feeling stressed? Don't be. Just enjoy it, praying for you guys. That's what she said. Julie replied, thank you. Herschel really loves our country. The woman said, he'll do great and you will keep him focused. I'm proud of you guys. (laughs) Isn't it interesting what happens when uh, you have access to things that people said, things that people wrote? Truth has a way of coming out. Truth doesn't live in a polluted environment where you have to carefully go pick it up to get it cleaned off, you know. It lives in a vacuum. It does. We try to manipulate it. We try to do that. And sometimes we do it. But it's never successful because truth will always come out. You shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Wow, what else is going on? Let's let's just laugh for just a second. You know, last week, President Biden made a, um, a trip down to Puerto Rico examining the aftermath of the hurricanes, the last couple that they've been through and the way it's impacted Puerto Rico. Got to be honest with you, there is so much political corruption down there and we gave them billions of dollars. They're not a state, but they are a territory, and they vote, and they pay taxes and all that kind of stuff. So Biden goes down there pandering to them. He goes back to D.C., and then he goes to Florida, and he actually made an appearance with Ron DeSantis after they went and examined and looked at some of the damages and stuff. And uh, boy, after they both spoke, President Biden, then Governor DeSantis, a uh, kind of a conundrum happened to the White House. Listen to this. It's no secret that the 2024 election is getting closer, and with the recent release of a photo of Ron DeSantis behind the presidential podium, conservatives are having a field day. Some are even calling it a smack in the face to Joe Biden. A photo of the Florida governor, Ron DeSantis, at the presidential podium on Wednesday was mocked on social media by conservatives. The Daily Wire writes that, President Biden joined DeSantis at a press conference on Wednesday. Live footage showed Florida's governor speaking behind a podium bearing the president's seal. As noted by the New York Post, DeSantis is considered a top contender to challenge Biden in 2024. And critics mocked the poor planning and optics of the photo. On Twitter, Republican Governors Association Communications Director Jesse Hunt shared a picture of Fox News coverage of the press conference. While DeSantis spoke behind the presidential podium, Biden stood behind him while Florida Democrat Commissioner of Agriculture, Nikki Freed, 
who had also run against the governor, stood behind him. It's moments like this when many in the national press should realize their preconceived notions about Ron DeSantis and his leadership style are way off base. That's what Hunt wrote. Twitter users quickly mocked the White House advanced media team for giving giving one of Biden's chief political rivals an easy photo hop behind a presidential podium. The Biden White House arranged a photo op for Ron DeSantis to speak at a podium with the presidential seal. Wow. That is what Larry O'Connor wrote. He's a talk show host. The Biden advance team letting DeSantis speak from behind the presidential seal is something to behold. That's what the conservative radio host Eric Erickson wrote. Another said, I can't believe the Biden advance team allowed this to happen. Amazing. That was from the former chairman of the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission. And tough day for the White House advance team. That is what Daily Wire host Michael Knowles wrote. It's fair to say that DeSantis is all ready for 2024 for his campaign. And he didn't even have to lift a finger. The whole debacle has given him free ammunition to use against the incumbent president for come election time. This gaffe was a major fail on behalf of Biden's team, and it's one that will surely come back to bite them down the road. Don't worry, though. I'm sure there are going to be plenty more opportunities where that came from. Let's continue the conversation in the comments below for the next News Network. I'm Gary Franchi. How does that kind of thing happen? I mean, could you ever see something like that happening in the Trump administration or the, the Obama administration? It's a detail thing. And what have we said about Joe Biden? He's never run a business. He's never really been a part of a business. Obviously, his son has been, and Joe's looked in and kind of seen what happens there, but you never know what's really going on in operating a business until you operate a business. You don't know what it's like to face Friday coming around and payroll time for your employees, and you've got bills outstanding around town that you've sent invoices to your clients, and you hope and pray the money comes in before payroll on Friday and you sweat it all week long. That's just part of being a business person. Joe's never done that. He doesn't understand that. And a real business operation, especially when the way things look are so important to the success that you either are going to have or the failure you're going to have, you just don't let things like a potential foe for the next presidential election, a governor of Florida, a state, and a governor that you've demeaned day after day after day in White House briefings, Ron DeSantis, you go to his state, and your advance team sets up, normally they set up two podiums, one that the president uses, and the other podium that whoever else is going to speak at goes there. They only put one podium up, and it has the presidential seal on the front of it, and DeSantis just walks up and gives a speech, and it looks like it's the president of the United States giving the speech. You can't make this stuff up. This administration just doesn't understand that optics are a big deal. The truth is far more important, but selling the truth revealing the truth and doing it in the context of optics that say, hey, I know what I'm doing. Yeah, look at what we've done, but also listen to what we are about to say and watch how and where we're saying it. 
to confirm that we've got the truth for you. And then you let a political foe walk up and steal your thunder. That, my friends, is what the Biden administration is all about. Optics. And they fail over and over and over again. Why do they fail? Yeah, that's a lack of presentation. It's a little lack of understanding. But it's also about this. The lack of substance. Everything in the Biden administration, without exception, is about optics and optics only. If they can make somebody see something that they know is good, maybe they'll forget about what happened over here. You know, the real things, the facts, the circumstances that people are living in and the problems that people are having because of what we have done. Maybe we can make it make ourselves look good just for a second and they'll forget about it are failures that are directly impacting their lives every day in a negative way. Honestly, honestly, I don't see a single issue in the Biden administration over 18 months, not a single one that he literally has earned the right to take a victory lap. I mean, there are a lot of situations he ought to be standing up at the podium and opening every remark that he says with this. I'm sorry I've failed the American people so far, but we're going to do a better job. He hadn't done that one time. He hasn't admitted or taken responsibility for anything bad that's happened. Everything bad that's happened in his 18 months is directly the responsibility of Donald Trump. And everything good that happens now that is a byproduct of policies that were put together a year and a half, two years ago, three years ago, before Biden was even campaigning, he takes credit for all of that stuff. That's not leadership. That's politicization. And boy, our nation is full of that. So, 29 days, we have a midterm election. What's going to happen? Who's going to win? Are they really going to do it? How are they going to win? What's the House going to look like? What's the Senate going to look like? The administration, it's not going to change unless something drastic happens that no one expects, but there's two more years in this administration. But what do Democrats think about this election and what's on the other side? Right after this break, I'm going to let you hear from one of the most far-left ABC News people and what he says about the upcoming election. You don't want to miss this. When your cable company keeps you on hold, you get angry. When you get angry, you go blow off steam. When you go blow off steam, accidents happen. When accidents happen, you get an eye patch. When you get an eye patch, people think you're tough. When people think you're tough, people want to see how tough. And when people want to see how tough, you wake up in a roadside ditch. Don't wake up in a roadside ditch. Get rid of cable and upgrade to DirecTV. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Ah, luxury. The aroma is full-bodied, the flavor is decadent, the touch divine, and the drive? Yes, the drive of luxury is simply infinity. Introducing the Infinity Luxury Test Tour. If you think you are familiar with luxury, you haven't driven an infinity. 
Infinity of Elk Grove invites you to truly become familiar with luxury and take a luxury test tour. It's like a test drive, but with more luxury. We invite you to drive luxury to luxury, not for an hour or even a day, but for an entire weekend. Your choice. Select your Infinity and motor off to a luxury weekend in Lake Tahoe or Napa Valley. And yes, all the luxury is on us. Introduce yourself to LuxuryTestTour.com and truly become familiar with luxury. Infinity of Elk Grove is literally giving you the keys to a luxury experience like none other. LuxuryTestTour.com. Drive luxury, drive infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove. Expect more. Yo, some people think it don't make sense that I'm a horse whisperer. Fancy prance, yo. But you know what else don't make sense? Bye. I mean, it's good for you, but still somehow tastes amazing. Sideways fancy prance, you heard? Yeah. Clippity-clop, clippity-clop. Yo, I just whispered all of y'all. Too easy. Bye. Five calories, antioxidants, and tastes amazing? None of this makes sense. Uncertain about what you see and hear in mainstream media? Worried about getting the truth? No worries anymore. Get the truth, only the truth, at TNN, the Truth News Network, truthnewsnet.org. Well, tomorrow is a really important day here at TNN Live. Tuesdays have become important. We do a special segment with Steve Baker in our second hour. It's usually 15 or 20 minutes at the top of the uh, nine o'clock hour, nine o'clock central time. And we talk about, we have been so far talking about some very important and critical things that are happening around our nation that there may be a little bit news about, but it's not being talked about for some uh, very um, unhealthy reasons. He embedded himself in a human trafficking situation regarding immigrant children in Houston and he came on the air live with us a couple of times in the middle of that. And then now he is in D.C., four of the Oath Keepers. The Oath Keepers is a group that this administration, Department of Justice, has titled or labeled them as um, really evil people, uh, white supremacists. I don't know if that's the case, but they allegedly were involved in some of the big wrongdoing that happened on January 6th. Steve has been in the middle of that. He, uh, he has interviewed one of the leaders in that group. All five of them that were arrested are being tried at the same time in federal district court in D.C. Steve is there. Last week, he uh, stepped out of the actual courtroom in the case to go live with us on the air. And it's crazy the truths that are coming out and being exposed by these left-wing get Trumpers, that's all it's about is getting MAGA people, you know, those evil, semi-fascist, get them and put them in jail. And these guys are facing long terms if they're convicted of the charges against them. The evidence that the prosecution has been putting in place is much of not true. So it's going to be interesting, and he's giving us reports as it plays out over each day, each week. He'll be with us in the second hour tomorrow, so make sure you don't miss it. By the way, anytime you miss a show, you don't miss a show. Go grab it later. TNN Live is the name of the show. Go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, LinkedIn, TuneIn. Where else are we? A Google Podcast. Now, Amazon Music. 
They've got podcasts and they pick the show up. So you can go grab it wherever you have an account or you've, uh, I mean, you can go to, go to Apple Podcast and get the show there. TNN Live, never miss a show again. So what are Democrats really, really, when you pull down the television camera and the microphone, what are some of these people really saying that is going to happen in 29 days? ABC News senior national correspondent Terry Moran. You know who he is. He's been around forever and ever. Yesterday he said Democrats are doomed in the upcoming midterms, arguing that Joe Biden does not have enough momentum among the voters for people on the tickets at the congressional seat levels to win. Moran said Democrats are losing voters as they suffer from economic headwinds. (laughs) That's a kind label for what we're going through for sure. Also due to Biden's low approval ratings, which have consistently reached historic lows throughout the first 18 months of his presidency. I think the air went out of that balloon in part because the economy is so tough for so many people. Moran said, food prices, rent spiking, if they've gotten retirement funds, those are evaporating. And even the issue of abortion, which did drive several special elections and that remarkable referendum result in Kansas, While there are millions of people with whom that will be the number one issue, he said, I just think the economic headwinds are so tough and Biden just doesn't have the oomph as a candidate anymore. I don't think he ever had it, but that's, you know, that's me. People don't really want him around, he said, and he can't really make his case. I don't think the Democrats are in any better place, he concluded. Now, there is some new polling out. Recent polling conducted by Monmouth found that Republicans hold a favorable view among the majority of likely midterm election voters. The poll found that 40% of voters prefer that Republicans retake control of Congress compared to 44% who prefer Democrats. 47-44. To me, you don't take a victory lap with those kind of numbers. It's just a 3% spread. What's the margin of error in the poll? They didn't tell us that. Inflation, the economy, have peaked as the top issue for most voters. As the consumer price index, gas prices have reached a 40-year high in the past several months, the Monmouth University poll found 30% of voters approve of Biden's handling inflation, 82% believe to be an extremely important issue. Uh, They polled 806 people, 806 adults eligible to vote. And then they say there's a 3.5% margin of error. What that means is it's in the margin of error. So how you could conclude that Republicans basically have, have it in the bag, you just can't do that. If you were with us last week, I weighed in and gave you my perspective of what I believe the outcome of the midterm elections are going to be in the context of the whole thing, not just one piece here and one piece there. And I got to be honest with you, I um, it would not surprise me if Democrats hold the Senate and the House. That may shock a lot of you because I'm one of those guys, if you hang around very much, you know anything about me. I'm one of those guys, my glass is half full all the time. It's never half empty. 
But in this case, folks, after we lived through the aftermath of the 2020 election, and in spite of what they want us to believe, all of the voting irregularity that happened in that election, I can't see the powers to be that actually weighed in and made those things happen. And their purposes for doing that haven't changed. They've got billions of dollars to spend. They've done it once. Why wouldn't they do it again? That's just, that's just me speaking. And that runs counter to the way I normally feel and talk about elections. I'm just not sold that it's going to be a smooth sailing. I think it's going to be rough waters. And I don't think we'll find out who the winners are on election night, that Tuesday night. It's just my opinion. So I try to keep up with some of the stuff Joe Biden does and give you the highlights every day. A lot of it we miss because there's so many, even things that he doesn't do when he puts the lid on the day and goes to the White House or goes back to Delaware. Speaking of getting on Air Force One, did you hear about what he did on Friday? He gave a speech in Hagerstown, Maryland, which isn't far from Washington, D.C., So how much does it cost for the president to go do a little short turnaround speech like this? Listen to this. He burned 3,866 pounds of jet fuel to fly 72 miles on Air Force One to give that speech Friday in Hagerstown, Maryland. It was a 40-minute flight. Burned that 3,886 pounds of jet fuel He traveled in a Boeing 757 aircraft, which isn't Air Force One. They have another plane, a 757. Um, 747 is what uh, Air Force One is, the traditional one. But any, any plane that any president gets on, when he gets on it, it's automatically called Air Force One. Anyway, he went in the 757, which saved money. The big one would have cost more. And it burns when he was on 5,800 pounds of fuel an hour if the aircraft is traveling at the average speed of 598 miles per hour at 35,000 feet. Now, this is factual information. According to Aviation Insider, that's what they do. His trip to Maryland, by the way, produced over 12,000 pounds of carbon dioxide. Uh Uh-oh. Climate change. Biden produced CO2 emissions equivalent to driving 13,678 miles in an average gas guzzler passenger vehicle. Now that's according to the EPA. A 72-mile journey in the average passenger road vehicle would emit only 58 pounds of carbon emissions as the average car has a fuel efficiency of 24.2 miles per gallon. Biden declared Thursday last week that radical changes are needed in order to literally save the planet from climate change. (laughs) And that was when he was speaking in New York. He promised in April of last year to cut greenhouse gas emissions by 50% compared to 2005 levels by the end of 2030. He also said in July this year, that the climate crisis, crisis now, caused by carbon emissions is literally an existential threat 
to both the U.S. and the world. The Biden administration is continuing to push its aggressive climate goals. Their plans are to phase out gas-powered cars as well as block oil and gas drilling on federal lands. In September, remember this, he flew Air Force One, the big one, to Delaware to vote in the state's Democratic primary. Listen to this. He was in Delaware all weekend long. He went from the White House to Delaware on Thursday. He stayed all weekend long. Monday morning early, he flew back to Washington. The next day, he flies back to Delaware to vote. Doing that, he produced roughly 16,641 pounds of CO2 emissions in that one flight. There's no telling how many millions of actual dollars that one flight cost us. He could have voted when he was there the weekend, the day before, (laughs) but he didn't. After all, he's the president of the United States, and with that comes the right to do pretty much anything that you want. So Joe Biden's trying to sell his policies to everybody. And he over and over tells everybody, I'm the president of the little guy. I have all the little guys, those minorities. I have them all together. After all, I'm a minority. I'm of Irish blood. And when he starts talking about that, He wants everybody to forget that he, through his very long campaign in D.C., he has denigrated, talked down to people of color over and over and over again. Remember when segregation, desegregation was going on and there was busing that was going on. He very publicly made the statement he didn't want it to happen. He did not want his kids going to school in what he termed as a jungle. People like to forget about that if they're a Democrat. Well, anyway, with with minorities in America, Joe Biden, he's not doing really well right now. And, you know, Democrats always are the champions of minorities, especially at election time. It's not working for Joe. Let's talk about Joe Biden and how he claims to be all men to all people. I, I, I got raised in the black church. He knows I'm not kidding. I got my education for real in the black church. And that's not hyperbole. It's a fact. I probably uh, went to shul more than many of you did. <laughs> you all think I'm kidding. He can tell you I'm <laughs> I uh, was sort of raised uh, in the Puerto Rican community at home, politically. I just have one thing to say. That Joe Biden, though, he's black, he's Jewish, he's Puerto Rican. Even Juan Epstein, the Puerto Rican Jew from the 1970s sitcom Welcome Back, Cotter, only managed two out of the three. And as Meatloaf sang, two out of three ain't bad. But will that be enough to get the Democrats over the line in a little over a month's time? Well, let's have a look. Because it turns out that despite Joe Biden's claim to being kind of black and kind of Hispanic and kind of Jewish, minority groups are not buying it. 
Earlier this week, CNN reported what has been quietly spoken about amongst pollsters for some time. According to this report, Joe Biden's approvals ratings among black Americans has tanked. And it's hurting them in the polls, in the congressional ballots across the country coming up. Why? Well, actually, the reasons aren't hard to fathom. Despite what Democrats think, minority voters are actually just like pretty much everybody else, with similar wants, desires, and fears. Black Americans are just as concerned about crime and immigration as everyone else. Issues which, by the way, voters would much rather see Republicans look after than Democrats who have made a mess of the borders and a hellscape of America's cities. The same holds true for Hispanic voters, who Democrats counted on time and time again and took for granted, but who, like Americans of every color and creed, are more concerned with bread and butter issues than they are with identity politics, pronouns, and, you know, doing whatever lefties do, like take the kids to a drag show at the local library on Saturday. Even the New York Times was forced to concede that Hispanic voters moving right, which they did in 2020, is, well, a thing. And they conceded that that shift doesn't seem to have been, quote, a blip, unquote. Indeed, it seems that a few Democrats finally are waking up. Just have a listen to what Van Jones, who was a commentator as absolutely left as they come, said just a couple of months ago. We're in danger of becoming a party of the very high and the very low. Uh, if, if you pull out the working class, you've got people who are very well educated and very well off. Those people talk funny. Latinx, I've never met a Latinx. I've never met a BIPOC. I've never met you know, all this, this weird stuff that these highly educated people say is bizarre. Nobody talks that way at the barbershop, the nail salon. Of course, he said this on CNN, whose ratings are so diabolically bad that I guess it's no wonder no one took any notice. So everything you just heard, we know about. I mean, we're living it every day. But I wanted to point out and let you listen to that because that's coming from Australia. People around the world watch what's happening in the United States, especially as it pertains to leadership. In many ways, I'm pretty sure more than the American people do. Some American people do. And there you heard that. That's coming out of Australia. And Australians are laughing at our president and what's going on in his administration. That should concern people. That's not a Democrat issue. It's not a Republican issue. I was in Zurich, Switzerland on business for a while when uh, Donald Trump was running for president back in 2016. And I sat and had several conversations with some very smart Swiss and German people. And they weren't laughing at Donald Trump. They just wanted to understand, is he really different to the point of he understands business? Is he really that way or is he just faking it? He was genuine for sure. He'll never let you fall to the lies. Your bulwark against the tide of fake news. Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network. Hey, what do you want to da da da? I don't know. What do y'all think we should da da da? Well, what did we da yesterday? Hmm, yesterday. All the dolls feel like the same doll these dolls. I know. Like, is today Monday or Tuesday? Today is Thursday. <gasps> oh no, I forgot to call my mom on her birthday. Oh no. No! These days, nothing is normal and everything is weird. But you could still save big when you switch to Progressive. That won't change. Not to die or any die. Quote to die at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. 
Nowadays, it's more important than ever to know the value of a dollar, or three, or four, or five, or even six. New Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. Tasty breakfast combos that give you more bang for your bucks. Get a wake-up wrap with sausage and a medium-hot coffee for $3. A bagel with cream cheese spread and a medium-hot coffee for $4. A bacon, egg, and cheese croissant with a medium-hot coffee for $5. Or a power breakfast sandwich and, you guessed it, a medium-hot coffee for $6. Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusions apply. Limited time offer. I got some things that are are really important. We never, we never get everything in on this show. And it just seems like the closer we get to the midterm elections, more and more and more important things are out there. And they're very important. So I want to tell you this. Make sure in the morning when you get up. In fact, you might want to do it with your first cup of coffee. Go to the homepage of Truth News Network. Every morning, there is a fresh story there every day during the week. Very seldom do we miss a day. Sometimes there are two, but we're grabbing the really important things that are, in many cases, hidden. And we have several guest writers that appear. Kelly Nelson is one of ours. She is very connected. She came from Chicago. She was a a network television producer at that time. She is a very well-thought-of conservative writer in any state here in the United States, and a lot of people go to her for information. She's got today's story there, but always go there and grab today's story and give it a look. On the weekend, on Saturday, we publish our Saturday bullet points. We go back, we dig out all the big stories from the previous week that you may have missed some of, or you may have heard about them, but they're really, you didn't have time to get the details. We'll put a bullet point format up there for you where you can read a couple of sentences describing something that happened. And if you want more information at the end of those sentences, there's a little blue arrow, which is a hyperlink. You click on that and it takes you to a full story about that event. Truthnewsnet.org. It's a good way to keep up with things that are going on that uh, sometimes you don't hear about, especially the important ones. You don't want to miss any of it. Well, let me give you a couple of things that fall into that very same category. You know the name Mark Kelly. Mark Kelly was an astronaut. He is the husband of Gabby Giffords, who was a member of the U.S. House of Representatives. She was and is a Republican. Mark Kelly is a Democrat. He ran for and was elected to the United States Senate as a Democrat from Arizona. And he's been 100%. He's voted almost 100% with Joe Biden. Listen to what he's saying over the weekend. He said that President Joe Biden was wrong for not increasing fossil fuel production during a debate on Thursday. However, Kelly twice voted against amendments that would have increased oil and gas drilling. He's running for re-election against Republican Senate candidate Blake Masters. And he said during a debate last weekend, Thursday night, that he told Biden he was wrong for not increasing oil and gas production in the United States. But despite this, Kelly voted twice against amendments that would have required this administration to auction more federal lands and waters for oil and gas exploration. 
That was back in August. When the president refused to increase oil and gas production, I told him he was wrong. Kelly stated over the weekend in that debate, he voted against an amendment on August 7th that would require the Biden administration to hold additional oil and gas lease auctions, not in every state, but in several states before the end of this year, 2022. Mark Kelly also voted on the same day against an amendment that would require at least 10 offshore drilling leases to be put up for sale by no later than 2027. Of course, Biden and his administration, they've worked to block oil and gas leasing in order to phase out fossil fuels as part of its aggressive climate change. Here's the problem. Their plan, which we've not been given, I mean, they haven't placed anything in front of us, They haven't tried to sell any plan to Congress or to the American people. They just said, we're going to flip the switch off on fossil fuels and we're going to go all green energy. We're going to, in one day, we're going to make you go away totally from fossil fuel, everything in your life that's fossil fuel related. We're taking it away because it's so evil and we're replacing it with renewable energy. The stupidest plans I've ever heard come from any administration in any country on the planet, but especially the greatest country in world history, ours. There is no way to make it happen, period. That's why they don't have a plan, because there is no plan that can be successful, at least the way they're doing it. And so they're doing piecemeal stuff, and they're only dealing with issues when they become issues, and they become issues because nobody ever created a transition plan. Although, circle back, Saki, remember when we hit our supply chain issues last year? She said, oh, before we even got to the White House, we had put together a supply chain issue plan. She never told us the plan. We never saw the plan, and we still haven't, and we still have, and will have as long as this guy's in the White House. We're going to have supply chain issues, which is going to help drive up the availability of things that you and I need. And also, when we find them, they're going to be way more expensive than they were before Biden became president. And of course, immigration in this administration, there is no immigration. There's none. They're not enforcing federal law at the southern border in any way at all, period. What am I talking about? Do you know the law says anybody that's found in this nation illegally must be immediately returned to the country from which they came? I can't get past that law. How does any president that swears an oath to the U.S. Constitution and the rule of law and says he will faithfully support and uphold all the laws that are passed legally in the United States, not by a president. Presidents can't pass a law, but by the United States Congress who represent directly the people. Listen to what's been happening while you and I have been struggling to pay for our gasoline and food and stuff like that. His Department of Homeland Security has given cell phones and not just a little throwdown, you know, when you buy at Walmart or someplace and it's loaded with minutes. 
It's one that is a real cell phone that's hooked up to a real network and somebody has to pay the bill every month. Now, the justification for their doing this is they say they're going to track the whereabouts of these illegals. And they've given them so far to more than 255,000 border crossers and illegal aliens that have been released in the U.S. over just the last year. This data on this thing was actually published by the DHS, which shocked me. It shows the extent to which Biden has ballooned the size of the Alternatives to Detention program to more easily and quickly release hundreds of thousands of border crosses and illegals into American communities. Now, how much is that costing? Well, besides the phones, obviously, quarter of a million phones, that's a hefty fee. Listen to what it's actually costing you and I. $360,000 every day. Every day. For comparison, just 26,000 border crossers and illegals were given cell phones in fiscal year 2021, indicating the Biden administration has increased the use of the program by about uh, 880%. So what does that look like when you put it all together? Let me tell you what it looks like. It looks like $10 million a month to you and me. Just another little hidden Biden debacle, which you and I are paying for, and we're not even getting kissed for doing it. (laughs) Hey guys, thanks for starting the week with us here. We're back tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. You have a great Monday. Oh my gosh. We'll see you. Take care. On the oceans and upon our seas, fish full of mercury. Oh, oh, mercy, mercy, me. Here's God's Father. All things ain't what they used to be. God's Father. Radiation underground and in the sky. Animals and birds who live nearby by the sky's Mercy, mercy, me. Mercy, All things and what they use to be. What about this overcrowded? How much more be used from that mercy? Can't you stand that?